Some time ago, my friend Mike called me and said, Steve, I have a message for you. You have to make a podcast. It's very important. Do it now. And I said, okay, I will. Can you provide me with extra time to do that during my busy schedule? He said he couldn't do that. But then I managed to free up some time. So here's my podcast, Audio Chimera. This is episode number 20, Self-Portraits and Other Fables. Growing up, they always told me never to discuss politics or religion. Well, here comes the religion! You see, God, the Catholic Church, and I have a somewhat complicated relationship. As I have confessed in my memoir, Immaculate Misconceptions, Tales of Catholic School, available on Smashwords.com, I am a recovering Catholic, the victim of 12 years of Catholic school. And some of that was spent in the pre-Vatican II years. If you understand that reference, you know it's bad. A time of Latin masses, of people clanging rosaries on the pews in front of them, paying no attention to the priest, of nuns whacking us with rulers to keep us holy and in line. Now, while it may be true that once a Catholic, always a Catholic, I have attempted, as part of my recovery program, to abandon the Roman Catholic Church entirely. Instead, I've devoted my life to the world of theater and art. Oddly enough, though, theater and the arts have a great deal in common with the Catholic Church. We usher people into rows of seats. We assault you with words and music and spectacular visuals. We ask you for money. We also attempt to bring you together in a communion of souls transported by the ecstasy of experience. And then we ask you for more money. From time to time, I have encountered people who have not fallen away and, from my perspective, are really not the best representatives of the Catholic faith. On a side note, once at a conference, I was presenting about theater in the online 3D virtual world of Second Life. Someone attacked this notion, saying it wasn't really theater because performer and spectator were not in the same physical location. Then someone came to my defense, saying, My friends and I get together all the time in Second Life, and we soar naked with eagles. Dude, you are not helping. And I think God must feel like that from time to time. Many years ago, I was late getting to a friend's wedding, since the person driving was pulled over for speeding. So when I arrive, I get stuck next to a self-identified charismatic Catholic who, during one particular moment of the Mass, leans over to me and whispers, This is so beautiful. I could go into tongues right now. It's that kind of total faith that I question. For a while, I was associating with a group of people referred to as the Yams, members of the Young Adult Ministry. I recall one of our retreats when someone had the bright idea to add a liturgical dance to a Mass, but their lack of rehearsal turned the makeshift altar into a mosh pit. On another occasion, I was attending a picnic at a public campground. One of the afternoon's activities was a touch football game that some of the members were involved in. As I stood on the sidelines watching, one of our number went down. Hard. Someone mentioned that he had been a high school football star and his career had ended with a major knee injury. And there he lay on the grass, clutching his leg. 
Our picnic area was adjacent to some Pentecostal Christians, and they came a-running. They surrounded him and began praying over him. Praise Thank Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Heal this boy. Please, Jesus. Heal this boy. Thank you, Jesus. And as I stood there, I thought, with my contented secular humanist stance, what if he was healed with their prayers? What would be my reaction? And I guess my next thought was a bit of a challenge to God. I thought, if he's healed, I will believe. The prayers were trailing away as the player began to stand. He rose. My eyebrows rose. Could it be? Was it happening? He took a step, then another, then a third, and groaned and collapsed to one knee. My secular humanism remained unshaken. And there have been times when I have tried to participate, but the absurdity of things intruded. One year, my wife and I attended midnight mass with her parents at their old parish church. As we were moving slowly down the aisle for communion, I heard the strange whistling. I couldn't figure out what it was, but it kept getting louder and louder, the strange higher note followed by the lower note. When I finally got within 20 feet of the altar rail, I figured it out. The parish priest must have had loose dentures because the sound was him saying, Body of Christ, Body of Christ, Body of Christ, Body of Christ. I guess it's no wonder that I wandered away from the church, and my days of Catholic school certainly contributed to it. One of the stories I tell in Immaculate Misconceptions is from the sixth grade. Something strange began happening to us between grades five and six. Hormones began raging through our now pubescent bodies. Through the adult conspiracy of silence on the matter, I was kept unaware of what was going on with me physically, although some of my classmates began figuring things out. So that year, some of the boys began drawing stick figures with huge secondary sex characteristics, and then they passed them around the room so that I would be caught with them. Into this hormonal mix, we add the world's oldest nun. Sister Ada taught many of our parents, and some of our grandparents as well. To us, a group of 12-year-olds, Sister Ada seemed ancient. When we would get to high school, the teachers there would seem so much older than us, and they were just recently out of college at 22 or 23 with their BAs. Sister Ada was in her 70s. On the positive side, Sister Ada was a very nice, gentle nun, and a good teacher for the most part. Unfortunately, she also had a few strange and distracting quirks. Because of her age, she wasn't in the best of health. She never walked around the classroom, but instead perched on a high chair behind the podium and lectured from there. Also, she often had to belch during class. It surprised us that she did, since she told us that all she ever ate was boiled potatoes. I think that was all her aged digestive system could handle. Barely. She'd be sitting behind the podium, talking, and then she'd stop and say, I'm sorry, boys and girls, but you don't know how good it feels to get that out. My favorite story about Sister Ada concerns impure thoughts. She told us that as we were getting older and as our bodies began to change, whatever that meant, we would begin to have impure thoughts. The devil himself would stand behind us, on the left, and incite us to have impure thoughts. 
Now, of course, she never defined exactly what these impure thoughts were, but we were definitely not supposed to have them. In order to be more helpful, however, besides simply telling us that we shouldn't have them, she gave us advice on how to cope with them, whatever they were. One day, she said to us, Boys and girls, if you start to have an impure thought, you should try to think about something else. Something like, well, like Charlie Brown's dog. What's his name? One girl raised her hand. Sister Ada nodded to her. The girl stood up and said, Snoopy, sister. Yes, said Sister Ada as the girl sat down. If you find yourself starting to have an impure thought, think about Charlie Brown's dog, Snoopy. Now, thinking back on this, it occurs to me that this was perhaps not the best advice to give young, hormonally imbalanced adolescents in the throes of puberty, and that this would have had a horrific effect on my classmates had they heeded her advice. A boy starts to have an impure thought, and he says, Well, let me think about Snoopy. And slowly, inevitably, this boy would be drawn into the dark world of bestiality. I wonder if this ever happened, and I imagine going to a high school reunion years later and seeing one of my classmates from the sixth grade. He's drooling into his drink. We get to talking, and he tells me about his life. It's been rough, rough. Been married for a while now. Had a couple of pups. As he scratches furiously, he confides in me, but I think I've been married too long. I want to I wanna stray. Suddenly, he glances over and sees one of our classmates who had been a cheerleader in high school and who has not lost her looks. Look at that bitch. His tongue extends and he starts to pant. I grab him by the collar and hold on tight before he can run over to her and start humping her leg. Wow. Talk about being scarred for life. One, two, three, and... Special thanks to Jeremy DePrisco for the incidental music from the original production of Immaculate Misconceptions. Anything you want to hear more about from this podcast? I can elaborate. Just send your request to stephenschramm at musifier.com. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S-C-H-R-U-M at musifier, M-U-S-O-F-Y-R.com. Or leave a message at 724-835-4074, and I'll see what I can do. I receive no cash for products I mentioned, but please feel free to throw money at me to advertise here. For more information on my works, check out my website, musifier.com. For written works, search for me on Smashwords as Stephen Schramm or Musifier, or find me on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. This is Stephen Schramm. Thanks for listening to Audio Chimera. <laughs>